0: At half-past four, on the 27th of April, 1946, a Londoner in his early fifties rose from a deck chair on the balcony of the Wanderers' Club. It was a Saturday, and he had been sitting there since lunch dozing over a magazine. He would have preferred to linger, enjoying after a long bleak winter the warmth of the sun upon his face, but he had an appointment in his flat at half-past five with a young man who had rung him up that morning in a tone suggesting urgency— I wonder what the boy wants, he thought. He had heard it argued that the world of 1946 was a completely different place from that of 1939, that a whole manner of living, thinking, feeling had vanished in the last six years. He doubted it. Fashions changed, but the essential issues were recurrent. He did not believe that the particular problem which awaited him The perplexity of a young man in his early twenties returning to civilian life after five years in Khaki would be very unlike that which he had himself had to face at the end of the First War. Slowly he crossed the drawing room. He was stiff after his siesta, and as he came down the broad central stairway, he steadied himself against the banisters. He was tall and heavily built. Though he had lost weight during the war, he was still corpulent— His thick, rather long grey hair gave him a benign and venerable look, but the network of broken blood vessels about the nose produced a qualifying and contradictory impression of modified self-indulgence. His dark pinstripe suit, like that of most Londoners in 46, was shabby. His tie was faded, and the corners of his collar frayed, but the cut and quality of the material made him look well-dressed. He had an air of being someone." He turned to the right, into Waterloo Place, on his way towards the Mall. The almond trees in Carlton Gardens were in flower. The statue above the Athenaeum glinted in the sun. A long red stream of buses circled into Lower Regent Street. How unchanged it looked! No, it was not difficult for Guy Renton, walking home through London on this warm spring afternoon, to believe that only the surface of things had altered since he was young. The railings round the parks were gone. The houses were shabby and unpainted. Every street and square and crescent bore somewhere along its length, like a mouth out of which a tooth was missing, the gap of bomb damage. But there was the same stir of animation along the streets, the same sense of being in a capital, the same sense of varied, integrated life. London was London still. A city that for nine centuries had known neither siege nor conqueror, that had faced plague and fire and assault, but had maintained unbroken the tradition of its own way of living, changing and adapting it out of its own necessity, out of its own experience, out of its own decisions, out of its own choice. For the foreign visitor, even for the provincial Englishman, London might well seem tawdry now with its crowded hotels, its casual service, its restaurants, where only a well-established client could get a meal worth eating, its lack of nightlife, theatres starting at half-past six, restaurants closing down at ten. But London never had appealed to the foreigner and the provincial visitor. It had never catered for the tourist, It had been a city for its own inhabitants, and even now, for its own people, it had retained nearly everything that had made it, and that had kept it the most personal city in the world. What it had been, it was and would be. The pride of being a Londoner warmed his heart as he walked back slowly towards his flat. His flat was in the network of small streets that lie to the right of the Brompton Road as you turn south from Knightsbridge. Rutland Square was to its north. Montpellier Square was to its east. Cheval Place traversed it. It was a two-room flat with a bathroom and a pantry on the first floor of a three-storied late Georgian house that had been converted, with three others, into service flats. He had lived there since the spring of twenty-five, As he fitted his key into the lock, he wondered how many other Londoners of that day were living within the same walls still. Not so many, he supposed. And he was lucky, in that immediately opposite, through a great rent in Rutland Street, he could see the park. A scar, running across his face from Chinted Temple, was his private souvenir of that raid.